Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. If you are new here, welcome. We are thrilled to have you. It's the three of us every week sitting here discussing stories. You're going to hear us talk on the front end a little bit and introduce our storyteller. You're going to hear our storytellers tell their story. And then at the end, we are going to sit and just discuss it like mm-hmm. you would sitting with a friend over coffee. And that's our hope that you would hear these stories and go sit with a friend and discuss them and see where God shows up in your life. That's right, Robin. You know, last week we kicked off season five with a pre-recorded story of Stacy, And this week we're so excited because we have Julie, who was recorded at a live gathering this summer right here in our home city. And I have to tell you, I'm thrilled for you to hear Julie's story. She has been a dear friend of mine for over 30 years. And she has an amazing story about the power of prayer and how God is still in the business of performing miraculous healings. I think you're going to be encouraged in your faith. I think you're going to be challenged in your prayer walk. I think you're really going to feel the joy that Julie radiates. And before we get into Julie's story today, Lindy is going to tell us a little bit about our Bible studies that we have to offer. We are so excited to offer When God Shows Up, which is an eight-week Bible study connecting eight of our Storytellers Live podcasts with scripture and small group discussion and prayer prompts. We've had great feedback from this Bible study that not only is it great in a small group, but you can do it individually, just in your personal quiet time. Also, we have Discover Your Story which is a journaling guide to writing your own story and really finding God in the details of your life. You know, that's really what Storytellers is all about, is is Robin often says this, that we listen to stories, we find hope in those stories, but we realize that God has shown up in our stories as well. So go to our website, storytellerslive.org, and check out When God Shows Up and Discover Your Story. All right, well, good evening. I am Julie Green, and I'm so excited to be with y'all tonight. One of some of you that know me know that I love to tell a good story, and um, I'll usually involves like telling something embarrassing about myself because I like can laugh at myself easily. And um, so I kind of got the nickname with uh, our supper club that they would say, we want story time with Julie. And I would always like have a little story to tell. But when we talk about my testimony and the walk that I've been through, I'm not very comfortable. I'm not a public speaker. I teach third grade and I can do a little tap dance and stand in front of them all day. But this makes me a nervous wreck. So just know that I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone. But I do know that God has called me to be here and to share what he's done in my life. A little bit of background about me. I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised by two wonderful examples. Um, My parents were amazing. Um, My mom served at the staff of a local church and um, was very involved. She had us at church every Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday night. We were part of mission trips and choir tours and all of that. And so I knew Jesus and and was his child from a very early age. But it wasn't until I was 28 years old that I felt that my faith was taken to a much deeper level. And then I got to know him on a more personal level and really was able to sense his presence and just see him at work in my life. Um, At 28, I was married to my wonderful husband, Corey, and we had been married for three years, and we were actually expecting our first baby. Another thing that y'all need to know about me is that I'm real in tune with my body. And anything that feels weird, I know my body really well. Some people might define that as being a hypochondriac, but I like to think of it as I'm just aware of my body. And so... I was, you know, early in my pregnancy, and I started having these symptoms in my left eye. And they were, it was like a, like little flashes of light that I would see in my peripheral vision. 
And so I immediately went to the doctor and they checked it out. And um, the doctor said that it was called Moore's lightning flashes. And he described it as something that would go away six to eight weeks. And he said it was the aging of the eye, which I thought, you know, I was pretty young to have an aging eye, but I, I was happy that with that. So I went home and anyway, continued, you know, continued through my pregnancy. But I did notice over the time, those symptoms continued. Um, the six weeks had gone on to two months to three months. And I noticed that was happening more frequently. So I went back to the doctor and again was told this was normal. It was okay. It was the Moore's lightning flashes. It would go away not to worry about it. Then over some more time towards the end of my pregnancy, I started noticing that I had some blurred vision in that eye. So again, I made a phone call. The doctor, he said, you know, really, this could be hormone related. This, you know, you can, anything can happen to your pregnancy and they dismiss it as normal. So they just said, do not worry about this. I think after you have your baby, you'll probably notice that these symptoms will go away. So I continued through my pregnancy, was able to have my first baby in November and went to my six week checkup with my doctor. And so again, I remember just closing my eye and looking, thinking, nope, it's still blurry. Those, you know, light flashes are still there. So my doctor said, well, if this is, you know, if this was pregnancy related, we feel like it would be gone by six weeks. So if I were you, I think I'd go back, you know, to my ophthalmologist and have it checked out. So I went to my doctor, I made my appointment and just something told me, I just, I was real nervous about this appointment and I wanted my mom to be with me. And so it was a Friday afternoon. It was just cold and just, you know, wintry. And I remember going to this doctor and the appointment was like at three o'clock. It was later in the afternoon. So I got there and had my little Caroline, um, six week old baby in her little pumpkin seat. And my mom was with me and they ran through all this battery of tests and checked my pressure and checked my vision and did all kinds of things. And then the doctor came back in the room and the lights were out because he had been checking my eye and had that big thing in his head, you know, and didn't even turn the lights on. And um, I remember him looking at me and I could just tell, I thought something's really bad. He looked at me and he said, you've got a tumor in your eye. And he said, you know, and by looking at it, I'm pretty sure that it's cancer just by the looks of it. And I said, and I literally, I mean, you could have just knocked me over with a feather. I didn't think it was, I knew something wasn't right, but I certainly, that was the farthest thing from my mind. And so my mom got up and excused herself because she felt physically sick. And I remember just looking at my baby and just, he was like, well, do you have any questions? And I thought, I mean, yeah, I've got a ton of questions, but I don't even know right now who I am or where I am or what is happening. And so uh, I said, um, I don't, do you think that, I mean, could I, is it fatal? Is it? And he said, well, it can be. And he said, but, you know, we'll just have to have some questions. You know, there's a specialist I already called a specialist and they're gone because it's the weekend. And so you'll just need to wait for the weekend and on Monday we can just call. And so he said, you know, but just, you know, have a good weekend, you know. And so I remember just thinking, so mom came back and I was just looking at this little perfect baby, you know, and um, after having a baby, you know, you just feel as healthy as can be. I mean, you've just been a part of this miracle and this holding this little miracle in your arms and especially your first one, you just, and so I remember getting in the car and um, being in the back seat with her and um, my mom driving and it was just a real quiet um, drive home. And um, I just remember looking into her little face and just looking at her little eyes and just wondering, you know, am I going to be able to ever hear her say her first words? I mean, will I be able to watch her take her first steps? Am I going to be here to raise her? Lord, what if, what if she has to go to kindergarten and I'm not with her? And what if, you know, all of these things were just flooding my mind. I kept saying, cause my mom just, she was just my rock. And, um, 
I said, Mom, do you know anybody? And like I said, she served in a big, um, at a big Baptist church, and she just knew everybody. And so I said, Mom, is there anybody that you know that's had this? Have you ever heard of this? And she said, no. I, I, Julie, I, have, I can say I've never heard of this. I said, will you please call somebody? Can you find somebody, Mom, that I can talk to? And she said, yeah, I'll get on the phone. You know, I, Julie, I don't, I don't know. I can't, sir. I've just, there's all kinds of other cancers I've heard. I've never heard of this. So we got home. I talked to my husband about it. And again, we're trying to just be normal. It's Friday and we, the weekend just seemed like, I mean, weekends fly by now, but this weekend was like eternity. I thought it was never going to end. So immediately we, that was before technology. So we couldn't put anything out there or look up anything to find anybody that had had this before and done well. I mean, I just needed to hear a good story. I just needed to hear that somebody knew of someone that had this and did fine. And, and that's, I just was hoping to hear that. We had all kinds of people reaching out. I mean, you know, all pre, you know, bad news travels fast. So it was spread all over, you know, Vestavia and Birmingham. You know, people were just being so sweet and asking for prayer everywhere. And so I remember just, I was, I had a baby that was waking up in the night. And I just, I mean, it was just this lonely, sick feeling. And prior to that, I'd been part of a Bible study. We were asked to memorize some verses, to find some verses that we wanted to memorize. Because I had grown up in church and knew, you know, lots of Bible stories, but I didn't have just verses that I could just reel off at any time. Funny enough, one of the verses that um, that I'd chosen to memorize was Jeremiah 29, 11. And it was, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And I just kept just saying that over and over. And I thought, Lord, you've told us that you, I know that you have plans for me. You're, you're telling me you've got good plans for me, plans for me to prosper and not to, and, and not to harm me and to give me hope and a future. And that's all I want right now is a future. I just want to be able to raise this baby girl that you blessed me with. And so we kept reaching out and trying to hear from somebody that knew someone and it was like there was nobody in the world that had ever had this. I was like the only person ever that had had this. And so I just remember finally just getting a peace within myself as I was praying. And I thought, okay, Lord, you know what? You've given me, this is not a surprise to you. You are, you created me and you know my story and, and you know what I'm facing. You know that I'm, I've been diagnosed and you, you gave me this baby girl. And all I want to talk to some, all I want to do is to talk to someone but I don't really need to talk to anyone else. I don't have to talk to anyone that's had a good story because I know that you're the author of my story. And I know that you do have plans for me and you're all I need. And so just, I finally just kind of got this peace and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to keep looking and searching for so, that person because I don't need that. I, all I need is him. And so, and I just was surrendering. It's like, I feel like sometimes we can get in a and busy with our life and and we kind of feel like we've got it and we it's our life and we can run it and then it's not until some your feet are pulled out from under you and you're like oh my gosh I can't do this and I'm um, just help me to take every step of the way uh so I, I I remember then just having just this peace and I thought you know what I'm not gonna say I'm not scared and that that I don't know what's ahead of me but I do know that God's gonna hold me and he's gonna get me through this the next couple of weeks that they just consisted of me just going to all kinds of doctor's appointments and scans and all of this. And again, you know, they were saying, you've got to stop nursing right away. You know, you've got all this, you know, and everything was just like, sometimes that can be a really big deal. That wasn't, it was like, you know, Caroline went straight to a bottle, like it was nothing. She started, you know, it was like, God was just showing me in little ways that he was right there with me. So then they decided we, after talking to several doctors, they said that they had done some 
studies on, on ocular melanoma, which is what I had, and they said that they had done a treatment that was called radiation placking, and that had shown to have some good results, but it was for tumors that were eight millimeters and smaller. And so the whole time we just were praying, you know, God, you've got this. We don't know what this looks like, but we trust you and we know that you've got a plan for me. And so when they measured mine, mine was nine millimeters. So it was just like a hair too big, which again was just was just another answer from God to say, you know, we're not going to do the radiation plucking. We're going to have your eye removed. And so that's what they felt like was the best plan for me. So on January 24th of the year 2000, Caroline was two months old then. I went in and I um, had my eye removed. And I remember my surgery before I was leaving. I remember looking around her little nursery and looking at her thinking, you know, when I come back, I'm going to see life a little different. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, I would patch my eye and look and see, but I didn't know how it was really going to be. What could I do? Was was that going to really affect me having just one eye? I didn't know anybody that had just was living with just one eye. So I remember leaving her and then I got to the hospital. I think my surgery was scheduled for like 12, but it was like five o'clock that evening before I had it done. And I remember just having such a peace. I would have my little gown on and I had my little hat on and I just was calm as could be, which is so not me. Like I said, I'm real nervous about anything with my health and especially having my I removed, but I, it was just, I just felt so much like God was just holding me and carrying me through. Like I have never felt, not like I never felt before. So after, after my surgery, they ended up saying it was very successful, um, that they were able to freeze my tumor and that, um, that when they got the pathology back, it showed to be like the least aggressive kind. And so all that was just such a huge blessing. And I was so, so thankful. And then the, you know, then time passed and I was just getting used to seeing with one eye and just being a mom and all of that. And three years later, I was able to get pregnant and have my Margaret Ann. And so I was just going through, you know, just going through life. And I remember sometime during my surgery and my just my diagnosis, so many people were so sweet and reaching out and sending me cards and meals and just anything that they could do. I just felt so loved and so just lifted up in prayer. But one verse that somebody sent me, it really hit home a little later. It wasn't right away, but it was found in James 1, 2, and 3. And it said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I remember when I when I read it over and over saying, Consider it pure joy when you go through trials. And I mean, I can think of lots of things that give me joy. But going through a trial is not one of them. And having cancer, when I was getting, I was thinking, you know, this is so sweet that they sent me that, but I, I don't know how to, I'm not sure that I can be real joyful about it. But, um, but um, then, I mean, just like kind of going through, and I remember raising, like when Margaret Ann was a baby, and I would be getting up in the middle of the night with her, and, and Caroline was, you know, three, and just watching them. And I remember, like, I finally remember thinking, this is fun. Like, if I was woken up, you know, I wasn't mad or sad. I was, like, so glad that I got to be the one to get up and take care of her, you know, because there was times that I didn't know that I would be able to be there for her and to have a second baby and watch them. And so it just kind of one day, it was just like an everyday, like watching them at lunch and going to the park. And I remember just thinking, you know, that verse then just kind of hit home. And I thought, you know, I'm so thankful 
If I had to trade places with somebody that had two eyes, I wouldn't because I feel like I can see life clearer with just my one eye than I ever did before with my two because I'm just thankful for the small stuff. I'm thankful to be here. I'm not I'm not sad that I'm getting up or, you know, cleaning up a big fat mess that they made. Like, it's fine. I'm so lucky to be here. And so for that, I just, I thought, you know what? Now I get it. Like, God kind of gave me this trial and it's really been used for good for me to appreciate the things that he that he had given me so a year later after my surgery I got a phone call and it was from a friend of a friend who had heard about my story and so you know I had all these people that had given my name to different prayer groups and bible studies and they were um so the girl called me and she said um Julie you don't know me but she said but I've just been diagnosed with ocular melanoma and she said and I prayed for you so hard when we have a mutual friend. And so I was able to be there for her and hold her hand and walk through that with her. I mean, right away, I said, I'm coming over. And um, we sat there and um, prayed and I was able to tell her about all that, you know, I'd been through and how everything, you know, how the surgery was, how long it took me. And so I just thought, you know, I didn't really have that person to be with me when I went through it, because I feel like God was teaching me. He wanted me to just that he was, he was all I needed. I didn't have to have somebody, but I loved, it was just neat the way he used me to help somebody else and to be on the other side and be that person for somebody else that was going through it. So fast forward 14 years. So I'm going through, um, you know, now we're just busy with two girls. They're 11 and 14. You know, I know I mentioned that I'm real aware of my body. And so I noticed that I was having these strange pains in my stomach. And um, it was, you know, high in my abdomen and um, it kind of radiated to my back. And so I immediately just thought something's terrible. And so my husband kept saying, Julie, I mean, we're, couldn't be opposite, more opposite. I mean, <laughs> like if, when he starts worrying, we all need to run. But, um, um, but he's like, oh, don't worry, you're fine. You know, and I said, I was like, this just doesn't, this, I feel like something's really bad, you know, wrong. And so I'd gone to the doctor and, you know, had it checked out. But again, it was like I would get some medicine and it would get better, you know? And so, and I'm, you know, a little high strung and stressed. And so, you know, a lot of it seemed to be stress related. And so anyway, it continued. So I finally, it was like becoming more prevalent and waking me up. And so I ended up um, calling a doctor who happens to be a very, very dear friend of ours. He said, okay, let's just go ahead and let's have you come on in. Let's get a CAT scan. We're just going to work you. Let's get to the bottom of this. And so I went in that afternoon, and for once, I wasn't really nervous about going to the doctor, because normally all these scans, every time I would go, I would be just so nervous and, and, and ask for prayers for people because I would that, that I would have major like anxiety is what they call it. So this was like one time I thought, okay, I know what it's not, because I'm not going to, I mean, there's no way that I have something like this, because I'd been followed by an oncologist or whatever. So go to the doctor and I come back and I think the girls were in the middle of like summer intensive at, at the dance studio. So that was real important. And so that's what I was in the middle of doing. And then I hear a knock at the door and suddenly I hear my good dear friend who is my doctor at my door. I thought well, that's so, I mean, I, I, you know, he, I knew that he was not there for just to come by and visit. I knew that when I saw him, that something was really bad wrong. So he um, came in and my husband and I were, you know, sat down at the couch with him. And I remember he's, you know, such a dear, dear friend. And he, he said, you know, Julie, I'm here because we found, we found a tumor on your pancreas. And he said, I said, oh, you know, immediately I just, 
oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Are you, I mean, do you think, is there any way it's cancer? And he said, well, we can't be sure. We really don't know until we go in a biopsy, but by the looks of it, it very well could be. So I start. And, and so he immediately, after sharing that news, he said, Julie, the whole way over here, when I was thinking about coming to talk to you, which how hard that would be as a doctor and a friend to deliver that news, he said, I was praying the whole time um, of how I was going to be able to talk to you about this. And he said, you know, one thing that I do know is God's not surprised by this. He is going, we're going to pray you right through this. And he said, we're going to all pray for you. And he said, it's going to be hard for me and my family. And he said, I know you've got a, a lot that your mind is spinning, but he said, you know, God's not surprised. And he said, and he's going to, he's going to get you through this. And he left me with this book that was about um, the power of prayer and God's promises. So he left. And I remember then just thinking, I mean, I just remember just being speechless. I thought this just cannot be. And I said, do you think this is related to my other? And he said, no, I don't. By the looks of it, I don't think that it has anything to do with your other cancer. So I was 43. So, you know, I was 28 before I was very young, but I still feel like I was still very young to have something like this. And he said, you don't need to go looking up anything online. And I said, he said, that's not going, you don't need, you need to stay away from there. And I thought, okay, so I knew right away enough about cancer. And I knew not that there's any kind of good cancer out there, but I knew that pancreatic was a really bad one. And so I immediately started, I guess my first emotions when I heard that news, I remember just wanting to be by myself, just wanting to, I just, I felt, you know, when I was praying like, Lord, please just get me through, help this not to be that and help me to, you know, I thought my kids really needed me when they were babies, but oh my gosh, they're starting middle school and high school. I mean, they're 11 and 14. They need me way more now. And then I felt guilty, like asking for him to heal me again. I thought he's already healed me once. And by that time, I knew how lucky I was with this ocular melanoma. Before I didn't even know. Now I knew that that was a, not a good cancer to have either. And that the recurrence rate was high with that. And so I thought, who am I like? Why should I felt guilty asking? And I thought, this is just too big. Like pancreatic cancer. I mean, I, I don't know how long am I, what am I, what's going to happen? Am I going to go through through chemotherapy? Am I going to have to have surgery? I mean, all these questions. And, and I remember just laying in my bed and I just am a people person. And I just remember not really wanting to talk to anybody. I just, and I felt a little angry. I felt like, you know, I've already been through this once and, and like, did I, am I being punished? Like, did I do something wrong? And this is my punishment because I didn't do enough. Did I not talk enough for you? You know, and I I just beat myself up and just questioned myself and, I remember looking at a little picture of our family um, as I was sitting in bed and I just thought, you know, things just seem so perfect just earlier today. And then like just in a blink of an eye, it was just all thrown, you know, in just a whirlwind and just a, our little perfect family that seemed to be rocking a- along just with everyday problems now. It's got something really big. And am I going to how long am I going to live during that time? I had, I guess the next day I woke up and it was a night of tossing and turning. And, you know, of course, my husband was like, Julie, you're going to be fine. I thought, I mean, you know, I just know I'm not. I don't know. I just was so nervous and so scared. And I just thought, you know, I think I've already gotten my, you know, free card. You know, I mean, he's not going to do this again. So I I remember the next day going in, they did a biopsy and they did confirm that, yes, it was um, pancreatic cancer and it was unrelated to the other. And I... I thought he said, I think what we're going to have to do is go and we're going to have to do surgery. And we're going to start off with that. And we're going to get, we're just going to line you up and just remove this big old tumor. And then we can figure out what treatment plan we're going to do. And so I kept thinking, you know, okay, Lord, I went from kind of being, feeling 
guilty to even ask for a miracle. And then I felt almost like, why am I having to go through this? I was like punishing myself and then questioning all the millions of questions that are flooding your mind when you get this type of diagnosis. And then um, I immediately, you know, people knew because now we do have technology. So now, I mean, everyone has kind of, you know, heard and is praying and reaching out. And and again, it's like those verses and those messages were just being sent to me. And it's like crazy how just the ones I get were just the ones I needed at that time. And so that day, he, um, I opened up a card that was from a friend, and it had the verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And so, again, it was kind of that turning point where I just felt this, like, peace. I thought, okay, you know, I mean, I know that He's got me. He He has got me in His hand, and all He wants is me to depend on Him and just to surrender everything to Him. And I'm trying to make these decisions and ask myself, and He just wants He just wants me to trust Him. And I'm so why have I why have I gone right back to my old ways after knowing that He has healed me once before? But but I think we're just human, and sometimes we just rely on ourselves, and we we're trying to fix things and do things ourselves, and so. I remember just feeling like, okay, God, I, you've got this. And I'm, again, I just had this total peace. Well, then shortly after that, there was a prayer vigil for me and I was going to have surgery. They were going to do the surgery for me on me. And so we all prayed specifically for that. And I was ready, had so many people praying over me. And again, it's just the most humbling thing. Like I hope none of y'all ever have to go through anything terrible like that. But I will say it's amazing how you just feel so lifted. Like, I mean, when you're being lifted up and prayed for, I mean, it's it's like amazing how you just feel God's presence and you just feel just so surrounded just by prayer and by love from your friends. And you just know that's all from the Lord. But I remember we went to that. So the next day I was going to the doctor and they were doing a little prep on me before I was going for surgery. They were doing some tests. And I remember the doctor saying, you're not ready for surgery. This tumor is way too close to this major artery and we cannot, we cannot remove it. So you're going to have to start chemotherapy. So again, I thought, okay, well, this is, we've all just prayed for this though. And this is what we were doing, you know, and like you're messing up our plan. Like that's what all these people have prayed. And um, now what are we going to do? And he said, um, he, so I, I remember after that, he said, we're going to start chemotherapy and we're just going to pray. It needs to just, that tumor just needs to move away from that artery because we've got to get some clear margins is what he said. So I then started chemotherapy. And again, I I kept saying, I'm going to trust you. Lean not on my understanding. This is not my understanding because I was going to have surgery and I wanted to have surgery. I didn't want that to be in me anymore, but that was, you know, I thought I'm trusting you, Lord, your plan's bigger and better than mine. So I started chemotherapy and I would go on Mondays. I would be there for about eight hours. I would receive this treatment. It was a really, I remember the nurse. I mean, she, of course, didn't know who she was talking to because, you know, she would say, I don't know how this chemotherapy is not going to kill you, you know? And I would be like, oh gosh. I mean, (laughs) and she's like, I mean, it's strong stuff. Like if it doesn't kill you. And I was thinking, oh my, but Um, you know and so anyway she um, but I would get it and I would be there for eight hours and then I would go home with a pump and then I'd come back on Wednesday and then remove the pump and so that was like what I did every two weeks I went through this this whole period of going through chemo and then they said we think that this chemo is done as much as it can so let's now try another one we're gonna hit it from another direction and again as strong and potent as this chemotherapy was somehow I was doing fine. I mean, like I, you know, I lost my hair and I, you know, 
uh, I had little symptoms, you know, like neuropathy and things. But like, for the most part, I was doing really well. And um, I was able to go to lunch with people and, you know, was busy with my girls. And so all of that, again, I was just, I was so thankful that I felt like it was the power of prayer, people praying for me specifically to have minimal side effects and that it would work. And I would just feel every time I'd go, I just, you know, I would just feel like I was just being lifted up. And so after eight months of chemotherapy, this doctor, this surgeon, that he said, okay, I think you're surgery ready. Well, one thing also is my husband had decided he was in marketing and he had decided during the midst of all this, I mean, he had gone back to school. He decided he wanted to be a nurse practitioner. So he was in the process of, and again, when we talk about coincidences, which are just totally God, but it just so happened that as I was diagnosed, he was doing his clinicals with this world-renowned pancreatic cancer surgeon. And he would be sitting in, you know, sitting in on these surgeries. And he's like, this is like the stud of pancreatic, you know, so once I'm diagnosed, he was like, you've got to be kidding. Like, that's what I'm doing is I'm in this room with this doctor and I'm like holding the, you know, the person's, you know, body parts while he operates, you know, so that was his, you know, that was in the middle of his, you know, clinicals. And so when they were looking for a surgeon, they were like, this man is who you need to see, which is, was exactly who Corey was working with. And so he kept saying, Julie, like when I say he's like world renowned, like, I know you love your doctors and all that, but like, just go in, he's your surgeon. Don't expect y'all to get you know, close and fuzzy and all that. I just, you know, go in and whatever. And so I remember going in and I was like, hey, he, you know, he was very, you know, very stoic and whatever. And I, and he said, um, I was like, can I please just give you a hug? And I mean, Corey was like, oh my gosh, like you did not just ask him to hug you. And I was like, I just, I mean, I, I said, I don't know you. I don't know. You know, I know that you're really good at this, is what my husband says, but I said, you, I know you are a great surgeon, because he had done, like, over thousands of them, you know, but he, he, and, you know, he was kind of like, he wasn't used to patients, like, coming and talking, you know, he was trying to get through to the next patient, but I was like, you know, I just want to talk a little bit, and, um, you know, I, your hands are just going to be operating on me, but, you know, you've got somebody bigger that's going to really be doing the surgery, and I don't know where your faith lies, but, I, I mean, I might want another CAT scan, because this tumor might, he was like, Okay, you know, but he wasn't real sure really what to think of me. But so um, when we left, I remember Corey saying, I can't believe that you asked him to hug you, you know, and I was like, well. And so um, anyway, so I go in for the surgery. It turned out it was like a five and a half hour surgery. And he said that he wanted to take everything that was anywhere near this tumor. So I remember waking up and they said, you know, we feel like it was successful. Um, you know, we took you know part of your pancreas, part of your colon, part of your stomach. We took a kidney, a adrenal gland, a spleen, you know, all these things. And so I'm just like, you know, don't have much in there, you know, and uh, he said, you know, but we'll have to wait for the pathology because the plan is we'll do chemotherapy again to see if, you know, any loose cells or anything like that will kill anything that the surgery didn't get. So, after um, my surgery, I was I went home. I stayed in the hospital about a week, and so I was recovering at home. And my pathology report came in, and my husband was at the hospital walking down the hall. And um, this doctor saw him, and he said he was like, "Hey, Corey," which Corey was so glad that he knew his name. But um, he said um, he said, "How's your how's your wife?" And um, he said, "Let me tell you, you need to go home and hug your wife." He said because her pathologies came back, and he said there is not one viable cell anywhere found. He said we removed a dead, shriveled up tumor. And he said, in all my years of doing this, he said, 
this has never, ever happened. And he said, so there's no need to do chemotherapy because there's nothing there to do at home because it's all dead. And he said, your wife was right when she was saying that there was somebody bigger using my hands because he said that is that surgery, you know, I've never, it's a true miracle is what he said. And so again, I didn't know at all where his faith lied, but I know that he recognized that there was somebody bigger in that room that was doing something way bigger than he had ever seen before. So I just really like when I when I think about my treatment, I, I've, I've been able to talk to so many people because just like I said, I think it's just natural when you have a diagnosis to want to talk to somebody that's been there. And so I've been so lucky that so many people have passed my name on and said, I want you to talk to my friend that has has had pancreatic cancer. And I've met a lot of people with ocular melanoma. And my hope is like, I want everybody's story to end like mine. And I, I want everybody to have a happy ending and to be healed the way that God healed me. But that hasn't always happened. And it's been really hard because I, I felt a little guilty, you know, like, why did God, why did God spare me? And I've had to, you know, bury, you know, two of my friends and um, that have had the same thing. And I've thought, you know, here I'm raising, I got to see my youngest baby walk across the stage and graduate. So thankful. And I know that's just because of God's hand in this. And, and these people didn't get to see that. And so I don't have all the answers and I don't know. And I've, I know that the guilt that I feel is not from the Lord. I know that he that he has a bigger story. And I'm so glad that I worship a Lord that's way bigger than me and has a bigger plan than I do. But I do know that he didn't do all this in my life for me to just sit and, and not share. And so um which is why I've always said, I'm like, Lord, if anytime I'm asked to speak, even though it's not my comfort zone, I will always tell my story because it's just a story that he can be glorified. And I think that sometimes we live in a world that we want instant answers and we feel so smart and we can go online and we can find out all kinds of things and we want things to happen now. And um, sometimes we think things are way too big to ask God for. We just think, oh, he can't He can't work that miracle um, because, I mean, it's not possible. Medically, that doesn't happen. But I guess just I want to leave you with tonight just having that childlike faith and just believing that there's nothing too big for God. I think sometimes we can put him in a box and just think, you know, this is way too broken, whether it's a relationship or a disease or a, a, a child that's gone away or whatever it is that sometimes we just feel like it's a lost cause. And um, I'm just here to tell you that he is a really big God and he he wants us to pray and pray believing big. I know when I was going through, some people would say, you know, oh, I'm just so sorry. We'll be praying, you know, but kind of like we'll be praying, but it's not going to end well, you know, and I would think I need for you to pray and believe that I'm going to be better because I believe that, you know, and so, um, and, and it's also crazy what people will say, you know, they're like, oh, I, yeah, my I have family, everybody I know. You know, they would just tell you things that didn't end well. You know, I'm like, well, okay. But um, so, but it just, you know, I just think that that's just something that I, I, I want to just leave you with some hope and just that to, to just remember that God's all we need, you know, whatever, how big or small. Um, and I and I still have to tell myself that. I mean, goodness, I I get called up in world. I mean, I, I this is my story, and this is the way He's worked to me. But I have to remind myself all the time with my girls. You know, I want to take control and do, but I have to stop and remember 
remember myself that God is all we need and that and that that he wants us to pray big and that that there's really power in prayer that I I just was able to feel it in such a different way I hope I can encourage you all and I just I feel so blessed to be here and I'm real humbled by all of y'all that came out tonight anyway it's been a pleasure for me to talk so God bless you all You know, I don't think there is anyone that I know of that has walked through two diagnoses of cancer that has the joy and the laughter that Julie has. I mean, who can tell a story about having cancer twice and laugh through it? (laughs) And just like I said, radiate joy. And that really is Julie and who she is. One thing that really happened to me when she was walking through this, because I, I was able to be alongside of her, and I've told Julie this, is that her journey really challenged me in my prayer walk with God in that I would pray for Julie to, to be healed, especially from the pancreatic cancer. But in my heart, I was like, but God, you're not going to. I know you're not going to. I mean, right. because like Did Julie said, it was just such a big prayer. I loved how yes. she said towards the end, pray big, believe big. Yes. And I told her, I said, you know, Julie, God is still the author of everything. He he is he is over cancer. He is over Alzheimer's. Y'all heard me talk about my mom. Mm-hmm. I still pray over that because he is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's someone out there struggling with what Whatever it is, Julie mentioned several things at the end of her story. Whatever you're struggling with, God is bigger. And that was just, I thank Julie all the time for walking through her story, but teaching me so much through it. And you know, one of the things that you just mentioned that jumped out at me in her story is this false belief that she only got one healing. (laughs) That God, Mm -hmm. like, well, I already healed you once. I need to move on to other people now. And how often do we believe that not only in healing, but in everything? everything? One of my favorite visual images is that it's not like there's a pie and we all just have one slice of pie and that's it. God is so much bigger than that. And there's enough pie for everybody, for everything all the time. And you never run out of chances. You never run out of miracles. He, he doesn't discount you after one. Right. And we, we've talked before that we put God in a box. We Why do we make God small? I mean, yeah. Why do we doubt that he is, you know, gonna gonna withhold something. I mean, he wants to to do exceedingly and abundantly yes. more than we could ever ask or imagine. And that was so true with Julie. Julie is so brave, as funny and giggly and bubbly <laughs> as she is. I, I just listened to her story, just being in awe of of just her bravery and truly an example of you don't know how strong you are. Mm-hmm. God has equipped you, and you are stronger than you could ever know. My favorite line from her story was, I saw better with one eye than I ever did with two. Yes. She, because we get, me especially, but getting caught up in the minutia of life, Mm -hmm. that she was so grateful for that. And and that was such an incredible reminder. You know, one other thing that really stands out to me through Julie's story was, you know, she talked about how, you know, the power of prayer and how big that was. And one of the things that we did do for Julie before she was going in for that first surgery was that we had a prayer clock and everybody took 20 minutes um, out of 24 hours to pray for Julie. And my time was actually at 3.20 in the morning. And so I was setting my alarm clock. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. I was setting my alarm clock, you know, at 3.15 to wake up. And before my alarm went off, I was having just a crazy dream of sitting in a room waiting to go in to pray for Julie. And um, I was just sitting in a folding chair. 
And it was in just a random house. And as I'm sitting there, my father walks in the room. And for those of you who don't know, my father had passed away um, three years before this happened. And I've never dreamt about my father before. And when he walked in, though, he was in his 20s. He was young. and I, but, it was, but I recognized him as my father. And I said, Dad, what are you doing here? And he said, I came to pray with you over Julie. And he knelt down in front of me. And I want to tell you guys, my dad was not, he did not talk about his faith at all. In fact, when he passed away, I was very worried about, you know, where he was because he just didn't talk about it. But he sat, he got down on his knees and he took my face in his hands, which was not like him at all either. And he looked at me and said, Katie, I know so much more now than I ever did. And then I woke up and it was 3.15, right before my alarm was going off. And I was able to tell my husband immediately that dream. And so it's so embedded in my head. You know how sometimes you have a dream and it goes away and you can't remember it? I remember that dream like it was yesterday. And it was such a gift. You know, Julie, here she is suffering, going through cancer. And God gave me this beautiful gift of my dad's okay. And he knows so much more than he ever did. And he's and 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 he's happy and joyful. I don't know. I just I really do feel like that was such a gift from God wow. through Julie's story as well. Yeah. So anyway, Katie, thank you for sharing that. I know I didn't know that story yeah. and, and how powerful and and how precious. I'm excited because Katie has written a discovery guide for Julie's story. And if you're not familiar with the discovery guide, it's simply a one-sheet Bible study that connects Julie's story with Scripture. And you can find that if you're a member of our Patreon community. What is Patreon, you ask? (laughs) Patreon is an online community subscription opportunity that supports our ministry. Just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash STL community, and you can sign up very easily and give 5 or $10 a month to support the podcast expenses, website expenses, hosting expenses, everything that it takes to run this organization. And in return, you get extra content. You get an extra story every month. Every other month, you get the discovery guide that I just mentioned, and you get some other fun surprises. Um, we do a story within the story, which gives you more information about some of our storytellers. So go to patreon.com today and support us. Thank you for listening today. We hope that Julie's story has brought you hope, that you've been encouraged. And one of our favorite things is when you pass stories along to your friends. That's how people find storytellers and how God changes their lives through stories. So pass this along to a friend today. And also, we love to hear back from you. So we are going to ask you right now to stop what you are doing and to go rate our podcast. And if you want, leave a comment that's so, so helpful when people are looking for a podcast to listen to, or even for us to read that. We read all of the comments, and it's not only an encouragement to us, but it's an encouragement to other people to let them know what they're going to hear. And so sharing, rating, reviewing, we are so thankful for all of it, and we ask you to do that today. So have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.